Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Amanda with another episode of Your Insightful Life. And I have a dear friend of mine, Nancy Self, uh, with us today. And Nancy is my go-to and I would deem her an expert in field um, in a particular topic, a, a fairly tough topic. Uh, Nancy identifies herself, she's an encourager um, by experience and training. And she works with a ministry called Grief Care Fellowship. So. Nancy, thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'll be here. Yay, I'm excited. So, um, and it's weird to say I'm excited, but you and I are both kind of honest, transparent people. So it's okay to be excited about heavy topics. That's um, right. So you are part of my Life After series. And I always like to ask people because I think the element of insight, which is, I feel like, insight is what helps us live tomorrow better than today dot 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 right um so when i say life after and leave a blank how would you complete that sentence for you life after pain okay. life after loss life after um the rug being ripped out from under you so much you're laying on your back and take a breath in mm-hmm yeah, that beyond the gut punch, what is that? When the air get when the wind gets knocked out of you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and why do you identify um, with the pain, the loss, and the rug being ripped out from under you? Well, I've experienced great loss. I've lost um, two husbands. Um, my first husband, I was 24. We've been married about five years. I we had a two-year-old little girl and 4.30 in the afternoon, he was killed on his way home from work by a drunk driver, crossed our line. Yeah. Uh, I was at my office. He had just stopped by my office, actually. We danced for dinner that night. And a few minutes later, I heard the sirens. Oh, bless. A gentleman that I worked for witnessed the accident. So he immediately came. And even though he knew there was very little hope at that point, he didn't tell me that, you know, he just was, we have to get you to the hospital. Yeah. Oh, and, and then that, go ahead. Well, that, that was 24 years old. You had a two year old with you um, in the marriage. Y'all were fairly newly weds, right? Five years. Yeah, five and a half five years. years. And yeah, that when I've heard when the first time I heard your entire story, you know, and it's almost like that's enough, but that didn't even that wasn't even the end for you. No. Okay, so no. then what happened? Well, then I, um, after not being able to function hard, but I eventually healed with God's grace and I met my second husband and I never thought that my heart would be able to feel that again for another man, but it did. And I was so thankful and so blessed. And we dated, we eventually got married, had another daughter and were married 23 years, had built a business together, you know, just had what most people would look at and say, a good life we had a good life and he committed suicide yeah so um he had 
some depression struggles, mostly medical issues and medication that caused depression. But, um, and then I was just like, I couldn't believe that I was having to go through that again. And, you know, the, my first husband's death by a drunk driver was, was horrible, but your husband committing suicide is not only the loss of the, the death, the being alone, it's also a sense of betrayal because mm-hmm. he to leave me. You know, he chose to walk out of this world and here I am, you know, on the cusp of what we thought would be retirement, yeah. even though it was still, you know, I was 49, but thinking, you know, the kids are grown, our one daughter was married and the time when you start like chilling out and relaxing in life, now suddenly you know, I have to work for, definitely work for a living, you know, and continue on and put, try to somehow put the pieces of fragmented life back together because I knew that, okay, I am, I'm not going to just lay down and stop living. I'm not going to do that. And I knew that my faith would see me through this, but that did not mean that it was pain-free and a um, easy journey. Because it's not. It's like, you know, the old saying, two steps forward and I don't know, like 105 miles backwards, you know. (laughs) And when you mention, um, you know, that sense of betrayal, the the message that came to me and I'm wondering if it fit was, was there that that self-doubt of, wait, was I not good enough? Was this life not good enough? Like, did you have to, did you go through that or was that not part of the thought? Of course. You think, okay, first of all, you, you beat yourself up and go, you know, cause I talked to him that morning, gave me a kiss. I love you. See you later type thing. And no then, indications. No, no. Yeah. No. And then on that, you know, by that afternoon, which of course anyone that struggles with any kind of emotional situation or any you know a partner loved one you do you you you, uh, get accustomed to those kind of like highs and lows a little bit and would you know those would happen and you know okay well you know he's having a rough time or whatever but not that morning yeah at all so you know I was, you know, trying to process if I, well, should I, if I called him, if I'd done this, if I, you know, went straight home after work instead of, you know, meeting a friend for dinner, you know, things, which of course wouldn't matter, but it was already completed by that time. But I had to like convince myself of all those, like, well, yeah. If I'd done this, well, no, that wouldn't have made a difference. If I'd done this, well, no, that wouldn't have made a difference. Bottom line, nothing would have made a difference. So then I was like, how dare you? Mm. You know, walk out when we built this life together. We had plans, you know? Oh, yeah, I was kind, I was angry. I went back and forth between extreme grief and loss 
extreme anger within seconds almost. Yeah. I would be so, you know, crying for the loss of not having him to, you know, seeing my daughters cry and then so full of anger. Like, how dare you? How dare you do that? Yeah. You know, I remember even praying and telling God, just tell him I'm he's not here. He's not the person I thought he was. He's not, you know, the strong man I thought he was. You know, I, it was horrible. I mean, trust me, you know, God, if 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 God doesn't tolerate people hollering and screaming, then I, I would have been smited right then. Yeah. <laughs> I was very honest, you know. Like, but yeah. he didn't make it. You know, and I think you bring up a really, really good point because when we talk about grief and loss and pain, um, there's a lot of like taboo and there's a lot of like false boundaries that people I think put up for themselves. Um, you know, and what I'm hearing from you and I would agree is it is okay to be angry at the loved one who's passed on even mm -hmm. because you've got, a, go ahead. Well, I was going to say anybody, I mean, maybe some people don't, I'm just being real. And I think that anyone that has lost someone to suicide, there has to be a little bit of anger there because this, you know, you feel like, I mean, we were so close, you know, we had that to look at each other and know exactly what you're going to say and stuff like that. So it's like, come on. Yeah. I, I was, I was mad that how could you not come? How could you not tell me, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know? But of course, if that was the case, there would be no suicides. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of, you know, when I say that it's okay to be angry at, and even if someone, I mean, if it's something out of their control, cancer, car accident, like, but anger is okay only because I don't feel like it, it doesn't violate sabotage or tarnish the relationship. I can be mad at my husband and I still love him. And then it's, it's sitting with him or if the person's passed on, it's sitting with God, but it's why am I mad? And then processing through, because really when we're angry, it's less about the person and more about us. And then we have to dig in and find that root of, well, because in, like in your case, I was relying on you and we had plans and we, and so then moving past that external dependence to internal, which yeah, unfortunately you're like, it was right on retirement. We, we had plans, but, but it allowed, you know, anger doesn't have to stop. It doesn't, anger mm -hmm. doesn't have to go into bitterness or resentment. It can no. help us process to acceptance and healing, you know? Well, it did me, Amanda, because I had to get to the place of, okay, now he obviously, you know, my husband loved me and his family deeply. And I know that he would not intentionally put this on me. Yeah. That whatever would on in his mind which was obviously very ill because I say insane because the same person cannot commit suicide they we have too much the survivor instinct you know I have friends that are going through chemotherapy and horrible treatments 
to try to live. Mm -hmm. For someone to willingly end that, they're, they bypassed that, you know, survival instinct that we have. So, yeah, that's an interesting notion. You're right. Like innately, we're created for a survival instinct. Um, yeah, it's, so the car accident, you know, with your first husband and then the suicide with your second husband and, um, were, but were those your first major personal losses in life? No. When I was 16, my sister, who was two years older than me, um, died. She was, uh, just had what the doctors thought was a stomach virus or something hadn't felt well for about a week and even went to the doctor the day before she died the next day she passed away she had a bacterial infection in her heart that went undiagnosed and it's you know even I know people that have gotten it even last few years it can be deadly you know it's just one of those things but there again at 16 I didn't I, you know, there was no grief counseling. There was no, it was just, you went to the funeral and then suddenly I no longer had an older sister, you know, and I was 16 and I wanted to do everything I could to keep my mom from being hurt anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's, she, my mom's a tough cookie. You know, she's a keep on living life. But of course, we were all just totally shell-shocked. And, you know, there wasn't, you know, you just went back to school and there was no, hey, how you doing? And, yeah. you know, it just, so it was very um, difficult for a 16-year-old, which of course life is already really crazy when you're that age, to suddenly go like, wow, just, you know, I woke up, said goodbye to her, and she's gone, you know. Yeah. So, and that um, was my first experience with, we had, we talked before on heartbreak. Yes. It was my first time that I felt that um, true, it is not just in your head, your heart hurt. Yep. Your chest hurt hurts it is heartbreak and you know I I thought I was dying and you know I was like oh no now my mom's gonna lose another daughter and you know but I didn't know how to tell my mom hey just so you know I'm dying too you know <laughs> it was this just this this crazy yeah thing of you know all these different emotions but of course as you can tell I did not die yeah and um but that one was, you know, that has had to, that's came back to the surface because there was no really processing or healing. It was just, okay, well now this is life now. I'm not blaming my parents for that. It was just what it was, you know, it was just in my, my brain, you know, it's in my heart. And it's just like, okay, well, she's not here anymore. All right, I gotta just move on. And um, so then with 
the loss of my husband to the drunk driver, you know, I did have, I felt that. And I even remember thinking, okay, now I've been through this and I know how painful it is, but it was much worse because it was my, you know, the husband, the father, my little girl who would cry at night, begging me for daddy and everything. Yeah, it's tough. And as you're describing it, um, I feel like they're more, and maybe all grief is traumatic, but I feel like these losses are more than just losses, but they're traumatic experiences because all of them were sudden. All of them were, right. you know, you saw, you saw all of them that same day and then mm -hmm. you didn't see them that night. Yeah, saw all of them to the point of, hey, you know, talk to you later. Yeah. And not that we're, you know, 5,000 miles away or, so it's, it's trauma. It's yeah. serious trauma to where you almost are like stuck. It's like when you first hear it, you freeze. Everything is just kind of like, huh? Yeah. I feel like, you know, because when you say it's like, okay, I'll see you later but then our, our bodies and our brains naturally complete cycles. You know, it wants to complete a circuit. Um, when I say life after, I leave a blank because I want you to complete the sentence, you know? But I'll see you later and then, no, there is no later. Like, how did you complete the story, you know? So I think that's kind of where the, the healing comes in because you couldn't complete the story was the truth of it. That's right you complete the story is knowing that that story just ended yeah it, just accepting that yes yes and and that um even though that person took their last breath you're still breathing mm -hmm. so therefore you have a life you have purpose you have joy where you choose to see it sometimes um and sometimes there's just these incredible blessings that come along that you didn't even were coming. You know, eventually you start to laugh again and you start to smile. And of course, the first few times you do, you feel really guilty because you, oh, well, what am I doing? If anybody sees me laughing, they're going to be like, how could she be laughing? Her husband was just killed. You know? Yeah. Uh, um, you have to not care what some people think yeah. and choose to live the love that God has given you and not feel you have to excuses or answer everybody's sometimes very painful questions. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned that um, before we started, you know, recording, but yeah, very painful and inappropriate and just um, almost more like National Enquirer sort of questions. Well, you know, we have the, you hear this, you can't go past a train wreck without looking. You know, it's like we have this morbid curiosity. As and you, details that the one and Now, sometimes I think that it is just, they're just some very, sensitive people in the world and we're always going to run into them and you just have to you know say goodbye shut the door and 
think, boy, they were stupid, you know. Yeah. But other times, I think that it was people that were struggling themselves. And I have, um, since my husband's suicide, I have had several people like just talk to me and ask, well, what was, do you know what he was going through? And I've even had two people call me. One was just a few weeks after we had spoken and one was like a year and a half. And they were both thinking of taking their life. And I just told them, I mean, they never told me that. I was just sharing my story in one place. And um, I talked about how horrific the pain is and how there will always be scars. My children and myself, we will always have scars from this. And anyone that thinks, because I tend to think that my husband felt that maybe we would be better off without him. You know, maybe he was a burden or maybe, you know, you don't really know, but, um, and I remember saying to the, this one, which I wasn't speaking to him, I was talking to a group of ladies and he was just in there because his wife was there. And I said, anyone that thinks that they are relieving their family of a burden or pain needs to understand that they are really putting a hundredfold pain on their family, you know, when they take their life. Yeah. And it was about a year and a half later and he just, I, I mean, I'd see this occasionally and just bumped into him said hey how you doing sir walk on he's I need to tell you and he told me that he had been contemplating and pretty much had it planned out and when I said that he he said I just thought I can't do that to my wife and children so he went home told his wife and had to have some extensive therapy yeah. but that has been now, I think about nine years. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, I mean, and so it, it, our, our, our pain can be used. Yeah. To help well, it us. can be, and we have to be honest about it. You know, if I just sat there and went like, oh, you know, it was rough, but God took me through it, which is the truth. God did take me through that. Um, without Christ, I, I it, it would still be a very hard struggle yeah. without his healing touch. But sometimes we just have to be honest with people and just say, you know what, this was, this was horrible. Yeah. And our honesty sometimes will help people heal because, you know, we tend to always want to people to only see the positive things in my life, you know, like with social media, you know, it's, oh, I've got this and that and selfies and, you know, look what I made for dinner and, oh, my husband brought me flowers, you know, in reality, as soon as the picture's taken, you know, she's cussing him out over something. Yeah. <laughs> but we want to put this best foot forward. You know, we have this misconception that we have to always pretend everything's wonderful or, you know, it's our bad. Yeah. Not our bad. Some bad things happen period yeah you so you said something and there's two that I'm going to go back to because when we were talking about um the thoughts that you had to process you know of internalizing um processing 
particularly the husband uh, who had committed suicide, you know, but you had to challenge your thinking with truths because we all have cognitive distortions. And so we start believing these, you know, false comments of, I wasn't enough, you know, he did it to get back at us, you know, or these weird thoughts. But then you had to, like you said, you reached a point of the truths that you did know. You know, he did love us. He did not do this to hurt us, you know, and and mm-hmm. because you grounded yourself in the man that you knew, you know? Right. Um, and, and I think that's also on the other side for someone struggling with thoughts of suicide is quite often they get stuck in this this tornado of cognitive distortions they'll be better off without me you know mm-hmm. i've got no reason to live these these very extreme thinking you know and but you were able to speak so he had these cognitive distortions going on sitting in your group the man that approached you you know right. but then when he heard from you it corrected the untruth because he realized wait they I'm not relieving them of a burden. I'm giving them a huge burden. And and it that that's what it took to click for him. So um yeah, identifying cognitive distortions and that's I think you're right where therapy comes in or or as an encourager like somebody outside our own brain, you know, needs to hear those ugly thoughts so then they can say, "Well, is that really true?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too it's sometimes total strangers that you can help even more because when I speak with someone you know about their grief and what they're going through I don't I don't know the whole backstory Mm. so that person's pain in that moment and sometimes as family and friends and maybe get a little you know like I don't know this gentleman had struggled for years depression so I don't know if it had just become oh he's down again today you know because I remember feeling that way with you know my late husband from time to time but you know he that guy was still not going to reach out and tell someone that you know like my husband did not tell anybody that so you know I was just in the right place right time and God used my mouth you yeah. know but um of course that's not always the case you know and there there always is going to be pain and hurt in this world unfortunately and along with that you know I really had I struggled to forgive him mm-hmm. forgiveness is to me the only way you can go through life after whatever bad it is there's something to forgive whether it's a boss that treated you wrong if it's a husband that you know left you for someone else if it's you know your mom that was abused whatever life after whatever it is involves forgiveness yeah even if it's forgiving yourself it was harder to forgive my husband that committed suicide than it was the drunk driver that took my first husband's life. Wow. And I think that was because I didn't have that sense as I shared earlier about betrayal towards the drunk driver. The drunk driver was a loser drunk. You know, he 
uh, <laughs> you could label him and you could separate yourself from him. Yeah. Right. Stranger. You know, I only saw him in the courtroom. You know, that was it. So, um, mm. but it even that was hard. But I knew at 24 years old, even, I knew, okay, if I don't start the process of trying to fathom forgiving him, that bitterness would take a hold so hard and so deep. And I had this two-year-old little girl looking at me, you know, and I had to be the best mom I could be for her, mom and dad at that point. Yeah. So um, I, I had to choose to say I would forgive him. And I would just, you know, privately in my own home, I would say I forgive and I'd say his name. Yeah. And, um, but I didn't even want to start that for a long time with my husband that took life. Yeah. I would just, um, I needed to feel that anger and pain for a while um, because, you know, all of our emotions are God gift. And anger sometimes helped me to process instead of, and it helped me to, to keep getting out of bed hmm. instead of, because I was going to feel something. Yeah. You're going to feel totally like my life is over I'm just gonna lay here not eat or drink and eventually you know I'll just waste away yeah or I had to know I am going to I am going to win I'm going to beat this I'm going to get up I know God has a plan for me I'm breathing I would sit on the back porch and just hold my Bible because I couldn't even read it I was so angry and all I couldn't even read and then I thought well I'll read Job which Anybody that knows anything about the story of Job knows, you know, Job went through some stuff, man. You know, any nothing I have experienced compares. So, um, but then the last part, it said that God blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. Mm-hmm. And that just made me stop for a second. And I thought, okay, if that can happen, to the to Job, to this guy that lost everything, it could happen to me. And I I had this like little pivotal moment, even though I still had a long way to go to get rid of, you know, to forgive and all. I had this little seed of hope being like bling, into my heart. That hope that I wasn't always gonna feel that horrible pain, that I wasn't always going to hate the way I felt hate. Yeah. Wow. And, and that brings us because going, you know, pressing through your feelings, allowing yourself to be angry and just, you know, sitting in that space to get to the next space. Um, you've mentioned the word a couple of times as acceptance. Um, there's this, this, um, therapy technique, but it, it's called radical acceptance. Um, you know, cause when I asked you about completing the story and how, how were you able to complete that kind of circuit in the brain? And you're like, it's accepting that it just ended period. And, and so sometimes radical acceptance is being okay with not being able to make sense of something. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'll never make sense of it. I'll never make sense of, of why, my, you know, barely 30 year old husband was taken 
from me. I'll never make sense of why someone would choose to pour themselves into a car and drive. Yep. You know, I'll, I can't make sense of that. I can't make sense of why, you know, my husband would not want to live anymore. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. That makes, no matter how much I would try to wrap my brain around it. I remember laying in bed, staring up at the ceiling, like just trying to process and thinking, okay, well, if he hadn't stopped by my office, he wouldn't be on the road when that drunk driver crossed the center line. And you know, all these things that you think, well, maybe if I had talked to him a little bit longer, that drunk would have been past that curve, you know, by the time he was there. And then you just, it, it is exhausting. It is exhausting to try to figure it out, to make sense. Then it was just like, I just had to go, okay, God, this in my world and brain there is nothing good out of this there is no this doesn't make any sense but it is what it is and i trust and i will continue mm -hmm. take another step yep so how how has life been for you on the other side of all of that grief like how have you, um, even though you can't make sense of the situation, how have you made use of it? How have you um, healed in that acceptance? What's life look like now? And what things are you do, have you done, you know? My life is very good. I am living that Job story. The latter part of my life is more blessed. Um, I had committed to never marrying again because in my mind I could never suffer that hurt again if I never let someone into my heart like that and after a while I began dating and you know which was you know I liked the companionship going to dinner maybe going to movie just you know companionship of it. I didn't want my kids to feel like they were having to babysit me, you know, keep mom happy now for the rest of her life and all. So um, I just kind of started living that new life. I bought their home. I, you know, just had other friends because one of the pitfalls of widowhood is you not only lose your spouse, that you lose your social life. You know, you tend to be coupled. And, you know, when you're a couple, you hang out with other couples. And then suddenly you're no longer coupled. So mm -hmm. it didn't take long before I realized, oh, I'm not getting invited to lunch anymore after church and, you know, things like that. And I'd hear couples talk about doing something where you st I would have always been, been invited with my husband. I wasn't. So uh, that was very, that was another painful part of all of it. Um, however, I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to have to um, be intentional about finding um, friends, activities, even being okay with going shopping by myself, you know, being okay with you know, just me and my dog sitting there and not having dinner, but just eating popcorn and watching a movie, you know? And and it did. I did become um, content with my life. I was very thankful that I had, you know, friends that 
walked through it with me and remained friends, even though they were there's couples today that I'm still very close with for, you know, 30 years. But um, it came to, I met this man and he was definitely falling for me and I, him also, but I was never going to marry. So I just thought, you know what, Nancy, you just need to stop this now because you know you're never going to marry. You don't want to just hurt this guy. So I just, you know, told him I was too busy and which I was, I was very busy working hours a week and all. So I didn't completely lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> it wasn't, but a couple of weeks he stopped by my office and, um, the rest is history. We started dating again. And after about a year, we were married and that was six years after my husband's suicide. So for five years of it, I was pretty much, you know, that was never going to happen in my world. Yeah. Uh, next week, we celebrate our sixth anniversary. Wow. Um, I now work as you shared with a grief ministry. I, I speak just sharing my story. And I feel that it's a story. It's a, it's a victorious story. Don't know what's going to come down the road you know I don't know what's ahead of me but I know that I have carried on through tremendous pain and loss and my life has gotten better is good my life is wonderful and no matter what comes along I know I'm going to be okay I know that God will see me through it I know that I will still be able, I will resolve to get up and take the next step. And sometimes that is what we have to do. We have to choose to just, I'm going to feel this. I am going to be hurt. Choose to acknowledge that it really stinks. It's very hurtful. It's awful. But also choose to acknowledge that it is just a season in life. It is not the rest of your life. Yeah. long time most of us so um you know there's going to be seasons and you have to look at it as just this this moment you know have you ever had a root canal and it really hurts myself <laughs> you know what okay now 24 hours from now i'm not going to be in this pain yeah and, you know, that's on a smaller scale that's what sometimes we have to choose to look at life and just go okay this is just, I'm in this valley or I'm on I'm going this speed bump right now. I'm not going to be here. Yeah. That's good. Uh, just accepting even that this is a season of life, not the rest of my life. Right. But I can't imagine if I would looked at that, I was always going to be oh. that much pain. Oh, yeah. I, it would not be good. I would be in, you know, either the bottom the bottle, whether it be booze or pills, you yeah. know, because you have, you, you have to numb that pain, you know, yeah. you have to, it's so you feel it. And the only way you're going to heal is to feel it and let it heal. You know, scars, scars don't hurt. No evidence of pain, but they don't hurt, you know, 
they have no feeling in them. So it's even though the scars are the evidence and, you know, I want to make sure they're still pain. I mean, I will still, you know, I can tell you the anniversary of the death and I, those days are very difficult. You know, my anniversaries, their birthdays, you know, those are moments you just have those reflective, it's almost like reflective pain instead of active current horrible pain any longer that makes sense at all you know you're remembering that but um you just yeah uh, don't remember where i was going with that <laughs> no it's good no it's all good so i'm you know from from the hurt to the hope to the healing what i'm what i see as takeaways and i keep resonating on you know, I think the biggest thing is people giving themselves permission to grieve and reminding themselves that this is a season of their life, but not the rest of their life. That's huge right there. It really is. I mean, I needed, I say that a lot when I share, um, because I need people to know that you're not always going to feel this way. You know, first time you lay down in that bed without your husband next to you is there's there's just no word to describe that emptiness and loneliness and pain but it's not always going to feel that way you know eventually I went from you know, I would sleep on his side of the bed you know just because I felt closer to him to where after a while I started sleeping middle of the bed because it went from being our bed to no this is my bed now and I'm sleeping in the middle and it it was just like my and I this is the first time I've ever said that I think but it, it, it was just like my own way of like taking another step to my marriage was over unfortunately that new reality you're right this is right. our bed this is my bed that yeah, that was probably a pivotal case. And like you're saying, you're like, wow, if I look back, but subconsciously that was a pivotal moment for you, you know? Yeah, I think it was. Wow. And you know, even years later, Amanda, it's been almost 12 years since I lost my husband to suicide. And it's been 36 years, uh, actually in a few days that I lost my first husband. And as I look back, I see so many things that it's like, at the time, I had no idea that the, the kind of like the steps of the process of moving on after life punches you in the gut. But there's so many things and I see, you know, so many things that God did in my life that I know was just his hand. Yeah, that's huge. Um, I I want to encourage, you know, anyone listening, the few, you know, the things that I've heard have helped you. And, you know, you mentioned the story of Job and, you know, biblically speaking, and I've, man, I've had people reference the story of Job who even don't have a Christian worldview because you're right. There's so much, there's, 
elements of acceptance and truth and opportunity and um, just pursuing it, exactly that idea that something may be a season, but it do- doesn't have to be the rest of our lives. And and I feel like Job entertained that a lot. You know, he's like, I'm he living really- this, but I'm not going to I'm not going to um, allow myself to marry it, you know? Right. I mean, he. <clears throat> struggled okay like why is why is this happening which I have done trust me you know after you two husbands you go like all right you know what's the story here I'm obviously not supposed to be married well that wasn't true yeah um you know Job lost his his servants all his children all his children his friends turned against him his poor wife which she takes a bum rap sometimes but you know she said curse God and die. You know, she was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapping out, you know, but you think Mrs. Job, she had lost all of her children too. You know, she lost all of her wealth and she's watching her husband suffer. You know, he was physically sores on his body, you know, and even his friends were like, well, Job, you know, don't know what you did to deserve this, but but finally, you know, he had that, those, he, he never stopped loving and trusting God, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just kind of where I wanted to be. I never wanted to stop thinking that there was better days ahead, you know, and I know that some people are just wired to be more positive and some people are not, you know, glass half full, glass half empty. Well, my glass was half empty for a lot of it. Mm. I couldn't even, I wanted it to be half full, but I would just think, oh my gosh, you know, this is just, I didn't think that at, you know, my fifties, I was going to have to work for a living again. You know, I, I always enjoyed working, but I didn't have to work to pay the bill. Well, I did, you know, but, um, life now very good life very good I get to share I get to encourage people and you know Amanda it may be a little selfish on my part but I get to see um people get walk through that pain and I get to help them a little bit so it's my pain um like of some sort of value to me it's like okay I see the results, something good came to my pain. I just had dinner with a lady um, that the first lady I ever walked through grief with, and um, it was eight years ago, her fiance was killed in a tragic car accident. And we still keep in touch. And uh, she just seeing her talk about life and her daughter just got married and you know, she now has a very healthy relationship with a beautiful guy. And and I'm just sitting there like, oh, thank you for that I get to see somebody that, you know, and, and she was one also that told me she was close to taking her own life. And and I, I sent that, even though I didn't even know her, it was just a happenstance that we met really. I know that was God, but, um, and I told her that I, I knew what she was thinking about doing and to not do it because, you know, any, she was going to relieve herself of 
temporary pain, but it was, you know, a permanent solution. Yeah. And her room would carry that pain with them. Forever. Yeah. So, and she didn't even really hardly respond to it. I, she, we were total strangers. Then two weeks later, she called me. Hmm. After she, after I said that, she called a family member and told them what she was thinking in there. And it was just, she, you know, she wasn't suffering from long-term depression like the other gentleman was, suffering profound grief and yeah. hurt and just couldn't imagine her heart not hurting that way. But sometimes we just have to reach out to each other and say, it's going to be okay. You know, this worldly stinks. Don't try to dress it up. Don't act like be feeling that way, but you're not always going to feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, yeah, being a, a few other like key points is being intentional in your life after loss. Um, and, and like you said, it's a, then being intentional with your feelings. If you're going to sit and feel this right now, you know, then go to the depths of the hurt so that you can heal from the depths of the hurt, you know, um, seeking contentment going that that's that phasing toward acceptance right like what is my life going to look like after loss what will quote the rest of my life be like um there's a huge sense of ownership like you know you're saying and I, I feel like it's probably more toward the tail end of the grief process right because we have to get through all the pain and the hurt and the feelings before we um kind of step back into the driver's seat of our lives maybe well part of it too amanda i i did not try to figure out what the rest of my life was going to look like not in the midst of it you couldn't it was it was it would just <laughs> overwhelming it was yeah. i it wasn't even one day at a time it was like one minute at a time yeah and it, it's just like okay you know i'm i'm getting up i'm going to work and I will see what the day brings me. Mm -hmm. You know, you just go through that. You don't think, oh, you know, okay, I'm 49 now. What's going to happen when I'm 69? I couldn't even begin to do that. You know? mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, it just don't try to process everything at one time and know that it's it's just... A portion of our lives yes unfortunately grief and loss and a large portion of my life you know you don't I would say it was you know years of hurt you know when you add it together but even in the midst of the healing there were still joyful times mm -hmm. there was still good things there was still you know, I remember just going out and looking up at the stars and just feeling that like awe in my heart and my soul of this, just like the world is still a beautiful place. I'm just right now in a hurtful place. Yeah. And just remembering to breathe. You're right. Breathing in those moments, just breathing in between the pain, just give giving ourselves space. Forward. I would tell myself, breathe in, breathe out. I literally would say that in my brain, Nancy. Yeah. Breathe out. Because it almost like took my mind off of all the craziness that was going on in it. If I just like focused on my breathing. Yeah. So Amazing. 
Well, thank you so very much for sharing. Um, hard topic, but I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate um, seeing you on the other side of it, you know, you getting to live the rest of your life differently than what those seasons look like. I'm very blessed, very blessed. Well, thank you for letting me share. Absolutely. Is there any, um, you know, what website or what would you recommend um, for individuals grieving? Like, where can they go to get more info? Um, they can to their uh, griefcarefellowship.org. Okay. Some resources and all there, but I am a big proponent of um, healing through our faith, you know, reaching out to your church, even if you don't think believe or you don't know God or uh, maybe if you don't even want to know him you know people of faith they st I, I want to help people whatever you know they they think and feel and um, just know that there is help out there for them so there's a lot of great support groups which a lot of the times you can find them through your local churches you know that and some people, you know, I'll be honest, I was not a support group person. You know, I thought, I'm not going to go there and sit and listen to somebody else boo-hoo. And, you know, I'm listening to myself crying. You know, I didn't want to take on all that other. But um, on the other side of it, I see the great value. It would have been very helpful to have people alongside me that had felt kind of like what I was feeling. So now I do, you know, I um, facilitate grief support groups and everything so yeah excellent all right well thank you again and um yeah we'll you know i hope to have you on again later we'll circle back on a new um you know topic uh, maybe about fishing or <laughs> yeah, there you go there is also i want to share with you that i have a website nancy.com so if anybody you know is interested and just chatting with me one-on-one. -on -one. I talk to people all the time. You know, there is no, I don't charge anything. You know, I am, like I said, I'm not a professional counselor. I am encourager and just try to cheer people on to what the next best thing in life is waiting for them. Awesome. And it's nancyself.com, you said, right? Yes. Awesome. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, friend. I hope you have an awesome day and I've appreciated this talk immensely. Me too. Thank you. All right. See you. Thanks for listening to Your Insightful Life. I hope this podcast has helped you grow in insight. Please find us on Spotify, Anchor, and other podcast platforms. Remember to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends. If you want to get in touch with me or catch up on the past podcasts or even buy a book, hop on over to my website at theamandacorbin.com. That's all for today. Now go and live your insightful life.